You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. All right, so you're wondering, how do I listen to you guys live? How do I check it out? Well, good news. We stream every Wednesday, 9 p.m. over on Twitch. Nerddux, N-E-R-D-D-U-X, or Nerd to Know Media on YouTube or Twitch. That's how you're going to be able to catch us. Hope to see you in the live chat. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre, this is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. Happy May Day to everyone at home. We are on our 99th show, so feel free to tune in next week as well and join us for what promises to be something we haven't planned yet, but it'll probably end up being excellent. Uh, anyway, uh, my name is Kean, as always, and in alphabetical order whenever you're ready, guys. Hey, yo, it's Brian, and I just want to say that, like, you know, if we plan to do it, that means it's going to work out because all our plans come together. <laughs> My name is Kevin. Yeah. I will not be held responsible for anything that happens next week. It will be a show. Just pop it in the top of every show. Brid, I Brid, I wouldn't I wouldn't even promise that much. I, <laughs> <laughs> it, will, I mean, it will be an extravaganza. I cannot promise that it will be a show. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a shame we didn't organize this more because we could have had a whole bingo sheesh, like, you know. What to expect from a hundred episode? Will Dara talk about the PS Vita? Actually, yeah, no. Yeah. If, if we're putting if we're putting down uh, if we're putting in a bingo sheet, it's made made a now. It the hundredth episode is going to be an hour straight of Dara. Uh, I'm going to put my bet on giving out about the Bad Batch. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. Oh God! So that's yeah. that's that's my prediction. That's my call. Oh my God! The one hundredth episode is timing with May the fourth. It's like in Disney's Hercules when planets just line up. <laughs> Are we saying that there is response in this instance? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> oh, I guess. Oh, is that is that my is that my cue? Just say some terribly racist stuff. Okay, cool. I guess that's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God! Me. I got it. But oh. tell you what, like the, we're not at the 100th one yet because there is something even more special, I think, which we need to talk about at the top yeah. of this show. Absolutely. So, Ken, since you flagged this, would you like to introduce this topic? What truly counts as a momentous occasion to overshadow our 100th episode hmm. is the breaking, breaking official uh, first coverage that's definitely... Uh, 
now and not when this releases like four days after <laughs> uh, how Paddington 2 has now climbed over Citizen Kane on the Rotten Tomatoes meeting mm-hmm. to be because- the most critically acclaimed movie of all time yeah because, well because, uh, because there was an 80 year old review found and uploaded to Rotten Tomatoes that dropped uh, that dropped uh, <laughs> Uh, Citizen came down to a frankly pedestrian 99%. <laughs> ah, slumming it with the commoners now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No better than the uh, Snyder Cut is, is the same. <laughs> Release the Paddington Cut. Oh my god. But like, look, I suppose I mean, what, what I want, okay, I have never seen either of these masterpieces of cinema. Mm-hmm. So what I want is the two of you who have seen it to explain to me why everybody thinks Paddington is the perfect film. Paddington 2, specifically. Uh, well, so, like, in essence, um, in essence, the what makes Paddington 2, like, a really, like, broadly likable film is that, like, it's it's basically just, like, a perfect family film where, like, you know, you can sit. You could sit down. You could sit down with, you know, housemates. You know, housemates, cousins, nephews, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, and everyone will have a pleasant time watching it. Um, broadly speaking, now there are things that make Paddington Two amazing. Um, <laughs> it's the, great. The, great the foundation. It's the foundation. It's built on is so unbelievably solid. Um, like, because like I mean, first of all, it has like some of the best uh, best actors that England has available right now. In uh, in it, Ben Whishaw is uh, Paddington, where to the point which I couldn't imagine anyone doing it, uh, doing that performance. You know, Colin but, Firth was originally cast as Paddington. Oh, and that would have been weird. Uh, that would have been very very strange. I, yeah, even yeah. he felt so. Like the so um and then you've got a uh, Hugh Bonneville playing Mr. Brown. Um and then like in both films they like they got like a pretty big deal actors to be their uh, be the lead villains. In the first mm-hmm. film is Nicole Kidman, who does an amazing job. And then there's um and then there's frankly like a, a career redefining performance from Hugh Grant in the second film, where he's oh God, yeah. he is just Amazing in it. Um, I do love the idea. Like, I, it's, it's something I don't think I've, I don't remember ever seeing is Hugh Grant being villainous. Yeah, he's gonna be. Apparently, he's also attached to the uh, to be the lead villain for the Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out the next. As a counterpoint, Jeremy Irons, I can see that working. Yeah, yeah. Can I? Can good I? See, add good, some- good to see him in the revolving door of that movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can I? Can I him use and Chris Pratt, him and Chris I watched the film quite a lot now currently mm. uh it's it's just i mean you you hit on the kind of family kind of pleasant it's definitely got that it's just it's really wholesome and not in like a patronizing type way it's, it's incredibly it's, solid it's, it's just so all earnest in its it's tone. all the characters are like really really likable there's like great music there's great set pieces mm. and like you know the sporadic action when there is it's there it's done really well it's Both just like every were... single scene is just so sunny and bright and it's so mm. earnest that like 
you get the vibe. I mean, obviously it's a film and these films are to fix and edit and all that kind of stuff, but like you get the vibe that everyone in it really cares about it and it just shines through. Mm. And no one on and the edge it has on the first one, as far as the villains go, is there's no real unlikable characters. Everyone is fun to watch and could be someone's favorite character. It's just it's only mm. like an hour and a half, but it's just a really good delight it's, to watch. And I find it hard to nitpick anything about it. Like the, the only like the the major the major criticism I have about it is that like the story rests on a really faulty premise because because um, pa- Paddington gets put in prison with no evidence to actually support the to actually <laughs> support the idea that he should be in prison. Um, yeah, but that tells the immigrants being treated badly, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, like it, everyone it, in prison, as far as I can remember, is also non-English, which is like a small, discreet, including, I suppose, Brendan Gleeson, technically. Yeah, technically. Yeah, no, there, there is there is a politician in there, which is good satire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah like, I mean, there's so many like little like one of the things that's uh, worth pointing out as well is that it's the the directors uh, um, came from the Mighty Boosh. Mm. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Um, and he brings. Yeah, it, and it's got the stank of the boost all over it. Mm, and it, it, it it's it, it, like there's some there's so much uniqueness to it. Like you won't there's there's nothing feels like a Paddington film. Mm. You know, like uh, and there's something really special about that. Um, and again, like as uh, Kian said, like there's such an endearing quality to. Um, uh, to the quality of it, that 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 it really stands out. Like, um, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many small bits. Like, I absolutely love the the scene where um, uh, where they're visiting Paddington. He's in prison, and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, Paddington's like at this point, Paddington, through just how amazing he is as a person. Has like managed to turn everyone in prison into being a really nice person, <laughs> into being really nice people, um, and like he's introducing them, going, "Oh, these are all my friends," and he's like, "Basically, these are all hardened criminals," <laughs> and, like, and uh, he's introducing them to the, he's introducing them to uh, the Brown family, <laughs> and it just the scene just plays out where there's just not a not a, a wasted frame of film in it. It's Absolutely. Oh, it's at the right levels of perfect framing, this film. Oh, like, every yeah. shot is gorgeous or has, it like, a small joke in it. And, like, you hit on a good point there, Bryn, which is, like, especially in the sequel, but kind of in the mm. first one as well, everywhere Paddington goes, his just earnestness and trustworthiness of people, like, you mm. know, brings out the best in them. Yeah. Like, you know, and that applies to the hit the people on his street, to like the people he's in prison with, to the villain, to like, you know, like you see the difference when he's taken out of his community and like yeah. how people and like that, that's a really subtle, nice message to send out in a kid's film where people are running around in costumes and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. fantastic. It's, it's it's so great. There's a great what, what it sounds like. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. Because what kind of what's just kind of made a connection in my head, the way like you kind of described as something very, very family friendly, kind of accessible to everyone, and just polished to a mirror sheen where everybody enjoys it, has a good time. It kind of sounds like the Mario Kart of movies. <laughs> that's yes, a really that's, that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good way of describing it. What I was going to say is that there's a great video essay by uh, Patrick Willems 
on it called um, Why Padding uh, Why Paddington is Great, and everyone should watch it. Um, <laughs> and I highly recommend uh, watching that if you need to be further sold on it from what we're saying here. But it's it's brilliant. Like um, like it, it, he really goes into really good quality detail in it. But yeah, it's a like. If you like having, if you like seeing efficient storytelling done, like I mean, he explains the entire in the first film, he explains the entire Brown family in thirty seconds, and that's like so yeah. so well done. Like everything just all kind of in a doll's house, isn't it? So it's mm. even uniquely set up, like you know. Well, this isn't even the dollhouse thing. This is just like um, like the Browns all get off a train, and literally mm. there's a there's a thirty second thing where you see that like uh, that the dad is like highly cautious and protective of his kids. You see that the son wants to kind of break away and be uh, uh, kind of wants to break away and be adventurous and whatever. The um, the mother is really doting. The the daughter is a teenager and wants nothing mm-hmm. to do with her mother. You know. And this is like again in like thirty seconds. It's brilliant. yeah. If you're because I just want to hop on that. If you're like a script writing nerd, mm. watch the Paddington movies. Literally everything pays off in some way. In the second one, <laughs> the dad both does yoga and yeah. used to throw baseballs at carnivals. Both yeah. pay off. Yeah. Like every little thing set up, even with the supporting characters who are just like in one or two scenes. Everything pays off. Like this must have been like surgery to write like you know it's it, just it, like it, everything is so every, you couldn't remove a piece of it how efficient mm. it is like it's brilliant like it, re- it really is it's really sorry really just good. just just to quote george lucas you know it's poetry it, it, it rhymes it, it mirrors itself yeah it, it's clockwork it's Oh, like it really, and, it's really great. Like it's so brilliant. Like, and you um, really get the sense that they were pulling on all their resources because they must have because this came out the same year as Shape of Water. They yeah. add in a subplot about the Sally Fields character being a swimmer and mm, have what? a part of the pay off in that. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's too much of a coincidence for them not to have just added it on the fly. And it still works in a brilliant emotional way. I I think one of the things that that to me as well is like a testament how good the film is. Like I'm not a person who cries at films. I mm. really struggle to get through the end of Paddington without crying. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's so like for this is for Paddington too. Mm. Like like it's like again like, I can't I can think of like a couple of films where I've shed a tear tear through it, but I cannot think of that many films where I've shed a tear through it on my second, third, fourth, or fifth viewing. Yeah, like that's. I was going to hop on there as well. Like, it's if it's on over Christmas, like, mm. say, Christmas Day, Chris, Stephen's Day, whatever, it, like, we'll just watch it twice instinctively. Like, mm. you know, it's just that good. Like, you know. Yeah. Over Christmas, we do a triple bill where we do the first film, second film, and then the Sainsbury's ad. <laughs> <laughs> there is a TV show, and they do have Ben Whishaw. It's not quite as good, but it is pretty comparable if you're looking for a quick Paddington fix. Mm, I might have to. It's got the sense of humor down. It just doesn't have that, because it's animated, it doesn't have that lovely boosh touch. Mm. Well, that's fair. That, that, uh, not everything can have the boosh touch. Yeah, no, I think it is fair to say that the two of you have death definitively so I'll be honest. I will yeah. seek it out and I'll watch it as soon as possible. Uh, to- I think it's on Netflix, but if, he, if it isn't, I'll lend to the DVDs. I'll take you up on that. Yeah, <laughs> DVD player actually. By the way, is that is that an I think one of them may be on uh, be on all four as well. 
um, because I know it was on film for not too long. Oh, okay. Ago, so. And you know what? I could with with internet security, maybe I could find it on a Netflix. Not in my country. If only Zara was here, so he could help us find yeah. things on the internet. Oh, I mean, he could he could only he educate you. Dodgy um, means. Uh, he could only just educate you on it because again we wouldn't we would never condone doing anything unless it's for educational purposes you know and you well i think or, or, or for privacy and security film is considered education yeah absolutely well you know i mean they're both both films are parables and why it's always good to be to be the best version of yourself you know mm. so um but you know, like that—that's very much. Uh, that's very much the the case with Paddington. And how wonderful it is. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, moving on from that, have either of you uh, finished watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely, I have. Uh, will so before we dive into this, like a like a Falcon, mm-hmm. good parable. <laughs> no. Mm. <laughs> uh, are we going to drop a spoiler warning up top? Because I think oh, yeah, to yeah, really no kind way. of get into what this series, the message this series trying to get across, I think we really need to like we need to cut all boundaries and just get into it. Yeah. The, the, this is absolutely a, a zone where spoilers will not be uh, will be heard. So, um, so I, I for everyone for everyone dropping off now, I'm glad you were doing our Paddington podcast or podcast. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe we'll, just. 15 minutes of that Baron Zemo dancing for an hour thing on YouTube and come back if you haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's it, 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 at, around the, at around the seven minute mark, that really gets into the racial subtext. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose, yeah, with the spoiler warning out of the way, I really enjoyed it. I yeah. am, and I am surprised at how much I enjoyed it. This, of like the three kind of major Disney Plus shows coming out, this was the one that I. I just didn't feel excited for it all. And going into it, I thought it would be pretty generic kind of action. And a lot of kind of, I was expecting a lot of, like with the early movies, a lot of kind of militaristic uh, uh, appraisal. Um, And there's little bits of that, but... I just, I, I got, I think I got, I'm a, like, I was not expecting it. I was caught off guard by what this had to say about just, the, frankly, the U.S.'s relationship with a lot of things, uh, but namely, namely people of color. And uh, mm. like Sam's speech at the end is striking. Yeah. Simply because it's, it's not a fatter. it's not a matter of i beat the bad guy thus the day is saved it's a matter of like hey she was standing for something you need to ask yourselves why yeah <laughs> fix uh, yourselves like i um up until the fourth episode i was not in on the show i didn't it wasn't clicking for me like there were really there were some really interesting moments in the first four episodes but there wasn't anything that really made me latch on and then everything came together in episode five and then episode six just moved moved into the best possible direction it could have from there and and i like i think um i think like it's 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 so strange because it's it's almost like the exact opposite of what happened with wandavision where i think wandavision started off really really interestingly and then the last two episodes kind of the show kind of started falling falling away from what made it and made it interesting whereas 
everything that happened in the first four episodes of this was pretty much all preamble for everything coming together at the end. Like again, there are really interesting ideas in it, but it's not the same. It's not the same thing when um, it's not. It's not the. It's not the same thing as really latching into the story, hook, line, and sinker. Um, and yeah, again, like Sam's speech at the end is brilliant, and there are some like there's so many like moments that you can just uh, pull away from it and go like oh yeah that's a really profound idea that's a really profound thing to think oh about like the, the moment uh like i haven't been as shocked watching mm. a marvel property when what when john walker killed that guy with the shield like that mm. that threw me and i didn't realize i had that that emotional connection to to what the shield represented and just like oh this is awful this is awful but that's what i loved about it like you know it's i actually had a lot of fun doing each write-up because there was lots of even in the wobblier episodes there was lots of meat to dig into like in the show like i absolutely love how they just take something as mundane as captain america's shield and tie in into like you know the entire modern history of america and like the meaning of power you move zemo to a slightly more ambivalent side of the board you move the character who turns out to be the power broker to the other side like it just by episode four like as you were kind of alluding to bryn you have all these characters who all stand for different values including the wakandan characters and none of them are 100% wrong. So when they start fighting, you just kind of feel bad for everyone. Like, And that's a really complex emotional thing to get across in like a six-episode action show. Mm. But again, this this is one of the things that like stood to the show overall was that it took its time telling its story. Mm. And like... You know, while I would still maintain that things I said from earlier episodes are true, that like there are details that I would have liked there to have been there, like an explanation for why Cap isn't around, mm. an explanation for why there aren't other uh, other heroes who should be on the scene not being on the scene. Um, but like aside from that, in terms of what the story they actually told, like they did a really really strong job of it. Like, I mean, one of the things that I think really stood to it was that when it came time for the show to get downtime, it really, really lent into the strength mm. of it. Like, I mean, the, the boat building uh, section oh. is just great stuff. Like it's just great character moments, you know? And I, I felt like that those sequences probably did a better job of what the therapy scene should have done. In my opinion, like, well, uh, therapy scenes are like super, like we talked about script writing earlier. They're a super basic way of getting across character information. Like Sherlock mm-hmm. does it as well in its first episode. So like when you see it, like I, I commented on it in the review, when she forces them together in episode two, you're like, why does she want these two together? Mm. Why? What, 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 because what? the plot demands it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The episode two is the only thing I didn't really like. That was a very plot demands it episode. Yeah. But I, funny enough, a detail I'm surprised the show didn't, uh, pick up on is the shield is made of vibranium which i am assuming was nicked from wakanda mm. and you've, you're building this entire thing out of what the shield represents and all the harm it's done but that is another detail there's so many little details like the destruction of zemo's home and like oh god poor isaiah bradley and all this kind of stuff it's like it's it 
I'm glad it ended when it did, but there's so much more to mm. dig into. And and considering this is based on the Ed Brubaker run, that's really, really good to like to be brave enough to kind of offer up that much stuff and trust the viewer to kind of go along with it, you know? Well, I mean, we can only hope that they will explore this further because they've announced that uh, Anthony Mackie is getting his own standalone Captain America movie now. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I kind of hope they get that they get these scriptwriters in to, to to at least advise, or if not, have them be the scriptwriters. Yeah, that'd okay. be nice. Yeah, because I know the guys who did Infinity War and Endgame were the Captain America writers. So I, I'm not sure if they'd give it back to them or if they'd bring in. Uh, I think Malcolm Spellman is the showrunner on Falcon. Uh, so, but yeah, I certainly hope so because I really. Like, I don't think the show's perfect necessarily. I think they, because of the reshoots, they dive into more than they've got time to kind of digest. But I'll, but I'll always admire something gutsy like that uh, for trying to take it on. Like, like you said, like that, the, the speech didn't get to me as much as the moment when you see the statue in the Captain America exhibit. I thought that was a lovely kind of mm. wrap up for the whole series thematically. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, again, like, it- kind of pulls together the whole idea of what it is that um that falcon is standing for and mm. what kind of captain america he's actually going to try and be and yeah like i i think um like one of the things i think was a major strength of the show was how the fact that i only had six episodes because it's the kind of thing that i think if it got stretched out to eight episodes i think it would have i think you would have had more episodes like episode two where just would have dipped a bit and pacing would have just been a bit more of an issue i don't yeah, think or god forget bit like the Picard situation where there's just episodes of padding like yeah. oh my heart breaks for that show the um like it's one of those things where like you know uh, there was a show i used to watch um a few years ago that i love called the 4400 where the first season of it's six episodes long and it's great, and it moves at a really nice. Oh, pace. that was about the missing people, wasn't it? It was one of those shows about the missing people. Yeah. There's been lots of them now. <laughs> um, the and then like the other seasons after that are all twelve episodes long, and you really feel it. And almost mm. in every single one of them, you're going, "If this was six episodes, this would have been so much better." I think yeah. I felt the same when I started watching The Walking Dead all those years ago. That first, like the first season's only what like six, eight episodes, and then mm. like. God, I never wanted to leave a farmhouse <laughs> faster <laughs> in my life. Oh my God, man. Yeah. I stopped watching after that season because it was just like this, you know, because especially think, cause in the books, they spend no time on that farm. Like, <laughs> I think I made it to the prison and then I was like, oh, oh, this show has bad writing as well as bad pacing. Oh, okay, no, I'm out. <laughs> mm. <laughs> You know, we're not talking about that here. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> we enjoy. Um, can I? Because it was a much more uh, Falcon-centric show, and I really liked that about it. I was initially worried when, in episode two, they brought the racial stuff in because it felt a bit clumsy. Like you had Isaiah drop in from nowhere, and then he gets stopped by a cop car, like kind of back to back. And I was got, I was a bit concerned, but no, it was done incredibly tastefully. And what I liked is across the show you saw they gave him opportunities to solve problems in a lot of different ways. Like he was entirely in episode four. Mm. He was like the one who's like, he approaches problems. Obviously the John Walker is the kind of polar opposite comparison, but he, 
he takes on everyone's advice and then forms an opinion. It's, I suppose, very Picardy in that way. And that's a lovely trait for a modern Captain America dealing with more complex problems than like, you know, fighting people in World War Two or whatever. Do you feel well, that they are, are fighting a well? purple grimace with uh, with space rocks? Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about kind of the way they treated Bucky then? Because I know he kind of some people feel he kind of got left to the curb a bit. They still humanized him, so mm. like I, I don't feel like it's a disservice to him. Um, be my succinct feeling on it. Like yeah, I, I mean I, Bucky got like com- like I think Falcon was the one they really need to focus on because he didn't have a whole lot of foundation before the series whereas bucky like we got a lot of kind of his character in winter soldier uh where obviously it didn't really have he didn't develop much from there um but like what the like he only needed a little bit more than than uh than sam did i think Mm -hmm. uh but the parts of bucky we did get like again that god the scene where he has to where he eventually where he does confront the uh the guy the dad who's sonny killed like that's heartbreaking yeah absolutely but it's- oh god yeah and it, and it took a while but i ended up really falling for their chemistry it felt a bit forced early on but like when you alluded to once they build a boat together like you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah like it's, like it seemed like they like because you know it's it what when i when i first saw the trailers i was getting a very lethal weapon vibes mm. but they both mm. tried to be uh to be to be Danny Glover. Yeah. They they both tried to be kind of curmudgeonly and sassy when like they, they needed to have a bit more of a chemistry. But like so it was when they kind of came together and and, and built a boat together. <laughs> they yeah. it, like the chemistry worked a lot better because you know watching this bicker got old very quickly. Yeah. Once they added Zemo in as well, at least there was a third person they could bounce off of. Like that whole also, uh, man sequence on the plane was just so funny. It was just so ridiculous to have these three complex people arguing about music and all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Also, I like the cast across the board, stellar. I can't mm. remember his name, but the guy who plays Zemo, he did not nearly get like oh, as Daniel much to eat off of in Civil War. Oh, he's excellent. He's like, I know, I know he's conniving and evil. I love him though. <laughs> I love watching him. But he, he's one of those villains where like, you know, he, he you love to hate him though. You know, like I don't even uh, think I hate him. I just, I just, I just love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but again, like you wouldn't want to see him actually become a good guy though. You'd want to see him <laughs> stay the way he is. They see I, I got worried. I think they pitched it well because they demonstrated that he has a hatred of people having power and they tied it into his Sokovian background and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think they pushed him just sympathetic enough because you can't for what he did in civil war you can't fully redeem him but i think they skewed as close as you reasonably can like because hmm. you know he still did kill like you know black panther's oh dad. yeah oh, he did like, terrible like, terrible things um hmm. also like i gotta give credit to how the show juggles having this many antagonists and hmm. giving them all proper uh like proper screen time like this this is some this is some amazing spider-man 2 level of <laughs> interviews yeah. and like yeah. all of them get explored all of them get uh love screen time and all of them have an arc i know it's just like it's, it's incredibly admirable that i remember all of them and each of them had their own distinct takeaways mm. that's just it it took me 
uh, three or four episodes to kind of figure out what the Flag Smashers were about. That was the only thing I struggled with. And I know there have been like kind of reshoots and things because there was originally going to be a virus plot. But yeah, it's, you're right. It's they juggled a huge amount of like kind of really complex characters and it felt like everyone got their due. Like I feel bad for the actor playing John Walker. What's his name? Wyatt Russell, who's apparently Kurt Russell's son. He is, yeah. Like, so you've got, like, casting-wise, you've got an extra dimension of, like, someone trying to step into someone else's shadow as, like, an action hero. Like, so there's... And I loved his performance, like, because he played strength and clearly being way in over his head at the same time. And those are two hard emotions to deliver on their own, let alone at the same time, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, I think my, my my only real complaint is I felt like he got off a little too scot-free at the end. Oh, God, Especially, yeah. like, no, having I, shown, I, ba- like, after being court-martialed and, like, dropped, having shown up in the uniform with a new shield in public and nobody says anything. Yeah, the last episode is a bit of a mess. I don't mind that too much. I feel like it kind of earned that kind of ending. But, like, yeah, it's... They, I don't know how you're supposed to feel about John Walker. I know he's set up with the Black Widow baddie and everything. Like, yeah. but, but you, uh, I, I think you just shrug your shoulders and go Hydra stuff. And like, well, like I, I fully, I, like I, I, I fully expect to see him again. That's kind of that's yeah. where we're. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Like I said, your woman from Seinfeld is like in the Black Widow movie, which was supposed to be. That's where show. she's from. That was yeah. bugging me since I watched it. I could not place her. Mm. I knew I it's uh, Julia Dreyfus, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who does not age, which is a good quality in a Madame Hydra actor. So, yeah. absolutely. But yeah. So overall, any other thoughts on the Winter Soldier, the Falcon, and the other Captain America we don't like? It, yeah, I mean, it, it turned out much better than I thought it would. That's pretty much all I have really to say on it. And... Uh, I'd just if again. you guys if you guys haven't seen it uh, i think it was the day after i saw people editing like because it was when it was when they they released the poster for the uh for the for the anthony Mackie captain america uh of him kind of standing side profile and somebody edited it to be like a ride liefeld <laughs> so they played oh, his yeah. chest in yeah, oh, moi. art chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss so good <laughs> this oh, is my be meme you know <laughs> <laughs> right i'm gonna hop off the show if you don't mind i know no, you've got important no. D stuff to do but do. uh i've got a baby is, it, is that all right that's absolutely fine all right enjoy the rest of the show you guys and everyone at home so yeah um the D news and i've forgotten what the um podcast was called but um, there is a D&D podcast that's going to have Jeff Goldblum play a character for the full season that they're doing. Oh! Awesome. Yeah. Do, I'm assuming, do we know what, 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 what he's playing or like what, what um, character build he's playing? Or? Yeah. So the podcast is called uh, Dark Dice and um, oh, I'm just trying to see if I can find the quick information on it here. Um, so he's going to be voicing one of five uh, uh, player characters um, and he will oh man I'm trying to find that information um, uh, 
I'm I'm looking it up here. I, it's well yeah. for a start. Uh, it sounds because I've actually this is the first time I've heard of this podcast. Oh, actually, he's playing he's playing uh, an elven sorcerer. Is what he's going to be playing. That's going to be awesome. I knew I was I was thinking sorcerer. Uh, yeah. I was thinking I was thinking definitely uh, spellcaster. Uh, but it's interesting. I did. I did say because it sounds like the horror podcast, which is actually very interesting for for yeah. Goldblum as well. Because uh, yeah, no, you said it, and I just imagined him uh, as. As he looks in in Thor Ragnarok with with the robes and face paint, uh, and my first thought was wild magic sorcerer. That's absolutely yeah, and that, that would not shock me at all. That'd be brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'm immediately as soon as we finish up here, I'm going to be getting every episode of Dark Dice uh, in preparation for that, those episodes dropping, um, <laughs> just to get a, a good feel for it. Because like it's, it's, you know, if Goldblum was doing it, you know, it's going to be fun. You know. Um, I, yeah, no, like he's he like uh, he like because that's that's kind of one thing you you want with kind of a good a good D and D yeah like good D and D radio show with something with a lot of a lot of personality a lot of character he's going to chew that microphone oh totally yeah like I mean but I, I mean we can see from like the from the D and D media that's out there now that like you know there's certain there's a certain level of like over the top and. Uh, uh, over the topness that's required to it, like the way, like I mean, he get he gets a lot of flack because it's not really how what the standard D and D experience is, or even arguably should be. But Matt Mercer does such a great job of being an entertaining DM for an audience to experience. Oh yeah, like that's you know? I mean that's that's kind of that's one of the that's one of the many reasons Critical Role kind of like cemented itself so well is because they're all professional, well trained voice actors. That are able to just bring that character every single time flawlessly. Yeah, and imitatably as well, you know, which also helps. Like, spe- yeah, speaking of someone that tries to uh, that tries to do character voices on a regular basis, I that you know, kudos. Like they, yep. I don't know how they do it because I, I'd be sitting there. They'll I'll, they'll talk to a character they talked to last week. I'm like, oh geez, what? Oh, what was their voice? Uh, we're we're going New York. We're going. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> what, what were they a gnome? Okay. It's one of those things. Like I've got, like uh, one of uh, uh, one of my DMs is mad into doing um, into doing voices and stuff like that. But I'm just like, if I ever DM, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing voices at all because I like I can do this, and this is all I can do. <laughs> you know, I I like it, and like it's as much for me as it is for the players. Like my favorite, uh, one of my favorite mic drop moments I had was a. Uh, was my my players were going they were in they were they were going to relight a forge in a mine mm. right proper more like proper moria stuff right as they were delving deeper and deeper and they fought a few death dogs and they entered this big cavern there was already a giant corpse sitting in the middle of the room so there's a lot of intrigue and there was a giant pit to the abyss over yeah. the left and they were told in advance that the dwarves had built an elevator <laughs> and so what out of my seven person party one of them decided to go over, walk into the elevator, and pull the lever of her own volition. The elevator had one switch, so she descended further into the mountain on her own. Oh, and wow. so I, yeah, and so I, I flitted back and forth between scenes for a little bit, really just amping up that suspense. And it was dark, and it was, it was dark, and it was quiet, and you could hear the bubbling slowly of a little of a small magma pool, just mm. little by little, and. I had described, and as she walked into the center of the chamber with the magma pool slowly sitting on the top, a large imposing figure starts reaching and building out of the pool. 
rising ever higher, higher than you, up to a height of 11 feet tall. And eventually he described, it was a salamander, right? It's a massive salamander. And for, aside from the fact that she thought she was about to try and fight this massive thing on its own, the the bubble that burst when the bubble that burst when I had like built the session and he opens his beady eyes and he looks dead at you and he's like, Hey, what are you doing in my cave? <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Just like I, I went just full like Brooklyn and yeah. just they're like I I, I, it's one of the few moments I wished we were doing in person and not digitally so I could just see everyone's faces but like you know, like I could hear somebody like people in the background like what the hell oh brilliant that's a great that's so great. like there, there's reasons like that I love character voices yeah oh no again like it's more it's very much a case of like for me I just find that like I like even playing characters, just uh, doing player characters, I find it very, very difficult to do to just do voices, especially because like, you know, when we're not doing it over person, doing it over doing it this way, and I find it very hard to modulate my voice and be quiet <laughs> if I'm trying to do a voice, um, which is a problem when you've got a small child. Um, so <laughs> this is kind of all I can really do. Um, you know, no, I no, I no, I rolled a hit with my hammer. No, I can't repeat that. He's asleep. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's um, especially when one of my characters is a dragonborn. Uh, <laughs> it it's quite difficult to it's quite difficult to do a dragonborn voice. I kind of uh, I at one point I was thinking of doing one along the lines of um, I don't know if you ever saw Dragon Ball Z abridged, but it basically oh, ripped yeah. off wholesale uh, Piccolo's voice from that. <laughs> <form>. <laughs> Should also point out my dragonborn uh, is fifteen years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, that that dragon! Wasn't that the whole thing? Yeah, Piccolo was on like five as well. Yeah, exactly. So this, <laughs> you know, not too far. There's present. He's a fifteen-year-old warlock, precocious little scamp. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, no, that, that kid, that kid poked some bodies in some creeks. I give him that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he's, he's hexblade. So basically, like. Um, I had him kind of like be a bit of like a history nerd and a, dun- a dungeon delver and like really want kind of like, you know, if things went well for him, he realistically would have been a lore master, been a, like a lore master bard, but he then picked up a magic so, magic mace because I uh, I was just like I want to have a, a lightning breathing mace wielding warlock. So <laughs> it's like, you're right. Absolutely. So it was like, so I went for Hexblade with uh, using the packed weapon be a mace. And it was just like, so he just finds a mace. And then the mace is like, well, if you want to get knowledge and power, I can help you get that stuff. And he's like, oh, it is. Like- oh, the, oh, the patron is the mace. Oh, I love it when that happens. I, yeah. oh, I adore it when the, when the patron is the weapon. Well, Talking the patron, weapons. I love yeah. it. Oh. It's not so much that the, 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 it's more like the, uh, the mace is like an antenna for the patron. Oh, doesn't know I what see. the patron is, but oh, okay, you know. okay. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's like oh, if you want power and you want knowledge, I can help you get those things. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. I can't see anything going wrong there. <laughs> Goes back to his clan. It's like, hey, look what I found. And they're like, you have to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I definitely kind of on, uh, back to back to voices. Uh, yeah, player characters like 
for a DM, you can you can toss a voice out and then just trash that character as needs be. But yeah, player voices are definitely different. Like you, what like one of my flatmates, we we played a one shot over New Year's where she played a she played a very kind of grizzled rogue, and she went full like, "Hey, my name's uh my name's Murdoch," and and she was like, "I can't believe I've got." How, why didn't we finish this session in one? I thought we were going to finish this session in one night. I don't want to do this voice again. I hate it. Stop it. Yeah. yeah no, like if you're, if you're the next, start the next session with Murdoch coughing and then the voice changes <laughs> at the end of the cough. And away you go. Hi. Uh, hi, Murdoch. Uh, Murdoch had to go back to his home planet. I, I'm his brother, <laughs> Burdock, with the exact same skills and proficiencies. <laughs> <laughs> or exact except i except i didn't smoke all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh wow brilliant yeah like again like i mean play like i think doing voices is like is a lot of a ch- is a major challenge but like you know again like, I, I find that like even without that you can still find ways to kind of like kind of get into the headspace and still uh, still work in the psychology of it like we just finished up doing a um uh doing a, a short mission from uh salt marsh where uh our dm as he wanted to do decided that he's going to throw in an encounter that doesn't exist in the books of course because um, he found a great he got he found a great markup from one of his patreon things that he subscribes to so we got uh on our way to whatever the island was called he um uh, he had us get attacked by a bunch of um of uh, I think it was like Valkyries, I think. Or something like that. And like basically like so like we get attacked by them. My character who was a um who was an evocation wizard got kidnapped and sent uh, and got cast off. And like uh, that's how we ended one session, began the next session, and I was just like, okay, so what's my health situation like? And he's like, Oh, you're on like one hp and so i can still do attacks it's like cool i'm gonna cast shocking grasp please Ooh, <laughs> and, excellent and like there was a point where it's like um when the other players got came to rescue me and uh they got within 120 feet i cast message to say i'll send you a signal <laughs> like you know then i cast shatter <laughs> um yeah bless was, bless shatter yeah, Shatter's great. I don't. I, I don't know why it doesn't get more love. We we my, my group has a has a has a begrudging fear of Shatter because it did kill the party cat. Uh, meaning we had to use the one revivification scroll we had mm. uh, because we had a cat on us, and the cat has four hit points. Yeah, <laughs> naturally it killed the cat. Oh, well, uh, we don't take the cat in danger anymore. When you're in the school of evocation, these these th- these fears matter not to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, like oh, actually. If if you will if you will allow me to divulge, yeah. I had a what I think is a pretty cool player character idea that just mm-hmm. dropped on me while I was uh, out walking. Right, so it, it came to me because I've have I've got a player card concept for for a wild magic sorcerer up in Nocturne, mm-hmm. and I was thinking just kind of like oh do I attached. <laughs> you know well I'll, I'll i'll put that on the board Absolutely. but i was kind of like i was thinking about it and i was like okay do i want to do i want to be a wild magic sorcerer or do i maybe want to be the the wild magic barbarian that's what is disasters because that's so mm. cool as well mm. i was like both are really cool but why not what if i had both 
And I thought about this idea of one of one person manning two PCs. Uh, the con, like the idea I had at least, was a wild magic sorcerer, a wild magic barbarian. That's how they're, they're the two I was knocking around. I was thinking of a very kind of a siblings odd couple, mm. like a like a like a jock and a nerd, like a like a Hulkamania yeah. and a nerd. <laughs> and that's I just thought that was a fun dynamic, but. Obviously, uh, Malik role-playing two characters would be a very hefty affair, so it'd be really interesting to see those kind of dynamics if you think you'd be up for that. Oh, uh, yeah. But the intrinsic kind of imbalance that that would create in combat, uh, obviously one person having two turns on a round, essentially, like that's that's pretty unfair. So I thought, what if you had just a little bit of, little bit of randomness in there? So I, the player, would only roll one initiative, maybe an average of their decks is like the two characters that's just make sure their decks yeah. are the same figure that out uh and then at the start of my turn flip a coin <laughs> awesome and then let's like just act them out then just i'll have them act as if it's like a tag team match oh brilliant oh that's really fun <laughs> you could and i just i just you could do um to simplify it out you could just do um group initiative rules so that you're not uh, so that you're not actively um, trying to change their like because like it, this way you're just change you're changing the group's uh, initiative and not just like uh, going oh well I've got to figure out what the average is between these two characters you know I've got no group initiative actually what's 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 the what's the rule on that so there's um so like uh, there's a few different ways it's done but um the way there was a way I heard earlier today uh, from um the YouTube channel uh, Dungeon Craft which sounds really interesting which basically is like so your players and uh, their opponents both roll 1d6 each so like one player would roll a d6 the other um and then the other and then one of their and en- and then like their enemy rolled so basically us so like basically a DM would roll the d6 whoever gets the highest roll goes first so like um so like basically like if you got if you rolled the five and rolled the two then your player character would go first at that point then your uh, your guy could flip a coin but it means is that like basically what you would do is you go through the dm would go through the party in um would go through the party whatever way makes sense to them uh, to go okay so what's what's your move going to be and kind of just cycle through and then when everyone said what they're going to do then they all roll their dice together and see what happens and then it moves over to the other side and then you re-roll again so it means that like there's much more much more of an ebb and flow to battle because like it could happen where enemies could go and could could lose one roll when the next one so they basically go from they basically have to do two roll two um two attack rounds on the bounce which could make things really, really interesting. So yeah, just kind of yeah, you know, it kind of shakes up the uh, the turn order. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. that's really and interesting. It, and apparently, as well as that, it can. Who's it, it saying as well? Because like the uh, the guy who does that, he usually uh, usually DMs with parties of between six and ten people. He says like for six, but for those kind of numbers, he said like you won't believe how much faster it'll make your your combat your combat encounters. So. I have, uh, yeah. Now, one one rule I've kind of I've jumped into is uh, just holding on to initiatives, uh, particularly like kind of in a like the campaign I'm running is very dungeon crawl. So, yeah. start of a dungeon, you roll initiative. That's your initiative now until I might 
my my break is a, either a short rest or obviously if you finish you clear it that's fair. Uh, just because again like it means you know you just jump into combat i roll a bit the initiative for the monsters jump that in easy easy yeah. easy yeah that makes a lot of sense though as well i mean like i think I mean, again, with with the way that the framework is for it, I mean, like five e basically says, well, you can do initiative if you want. You don't have to like, and there are other there are other uh, systems for it. Like, I mean, the, I've heard as well. You can do like you can have no initiative, but that I don't understand really what that means, except for going well, like everyone attacks <laughs> at the same time, which just makes things really chaotic. And I think if you if you're a DM with more than four or five pieces on the board that's going to get real challenging really quickly so yeah that's 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 a lot of people shouting a lot of things and you'd be like i i are, are they dead i want them to be dead now no i killed them that's that's the, this is the end of battle yeah absolutely you're like oh no what are you what have you done there oh you cast fireball oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> oh that's oh that's 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 the sound of johnny's nap time okay we're we're done yeah, absolutely you know what have you cast there catapult oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> wait what do you mean water work what are you what are you doing stop that get back here <laughs> oh geez okay well i yeah. think uh i think that is time i think we're, yeah, we're, we're out of it getting, we're getting up to time and uh, we've managed to string out um a nice little DD podcast at the end of our paddington podcast truly uh, what what just seems to be our uh our, our our want i like i think we're taking this over i think slowly slowly but surely the DD takeover <laughs> is occurring uh, so <laughs> it's not too and bad. Po- pod- podcasts return to their natural habitat <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so look uh kev uh, do you have anything you want to plug? How's uh, things going on with anime ca- crash course and all that stuff? Uh, still on hiatus. Still maybe thinking thinking about kind of the, how the organization of it goes. It's it's just been a lot of moving and shaking. Uh, I say since I moved in, it's been three months. I'm figuring yeah. it out. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, uh, well, otherwise, moves are always challenging. So like that's gonna be again. I just I didn't realize how much time in the day chores took up. God, d- guys, d- people, listeners, don't do chores. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you say uh, that. You say that, but oh, it's, like, no, it, deposits, I, it's so worth it. It's our cruel mistress. Um, also, there's nothing. No, I, I lied. There's nothing better than a clean kitchen. Clean your kitchen. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Hoover your stairs. I can't stress this enough. Hoover your stairs. Whoa, whoa, Mister Mister Mom, stairs here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, as always, you can uh, you can watch my D and D campaign on uh, my friend Coco's channel, uh, Connor Rain C O N O R A Y N E on YouTube. We we stream that every Tuesday evening. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, watch me make silly voices uh, for for silly characters. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So look, I don't have anything else to plug on my side for this week. But look, guys, you know where all the good stuff is at at Nerd to Know uh, Media. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and um, and uh, where are the other places we're on YouTube. That's one of them. And Apple Podcasts, all those good Twitch. Things. Sometimes Twitch, I think. Yeah supposedly twitch okay. not not right now but sometimes not right now, but occasionally maybe this time maybe not we'll see maybe maybe for the hundredth maybe yeah. 
We maybe. we don't know, but you will mm, know. Mm, maybe for the hundredth. <laughs> maybe for the hundredth. But uh, you'll find out when we find out is probably the most, <laughs> the most we can commit to. Um, so yeah, look, that will do it for myself and Kev and for uh, Kian who uh, decided to uh, leave while we were doing this fantastic stuff. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, and have a great evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Check out the rest of Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm. And of course, over on NerdToKnowMedia.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 